before we get started, I want to take the opportunity to talk to you about our partner for this podcast, Famigo, formerly known as BravoPay. Famigo is a marketplace and payment platform for musicians and content creators like streamers, sports influencers, personal trainers, and, well, podcasters. You can create a fan page and set up shop offering physical and digital products as well as premium subscriptions. It's easy to share with others on your social media so that, for the rest of you, can support your favorite creators. Check it out at Famigo.com. I'll leave more info in the description. You're listening to The 80-20 Show, an inside look into the music industry. Welcome, everybody, to The 80-20 Show. I am your host, Mike Zimmerlich, and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. There are so many things that I am thankful for in my life. I am a very, very fortunate person. Uh, But I've been thinking about it, and I want to say that I'm thankful for all of you who've been listening to this podcast. It's been well over a year now since we started this. And so if you've just joined in or have been with me since the beginning, I want to say thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. Now for this episode is going to be a recap for when I moderated one of the Edumusication roundtables. Now Edumusication is a nonprofit organization that is run by one of our artists, Gabe Kubanda, and they support all kinds of music programs after school. It's a fantastic organization. I definitely recommend that you check it out. For this particular roundtable, this is on music and gaming and film. So if you're interested in doing any kind of composition, especially for movies or video games, definitely pay attention because there's a lot of great information from the panelists in this interview. In addition, we talk about how they got started, as well as we did go into discussion about mentorships and internships. So it is my absolute pleasure to give you music in gaming and film from the Edumusication Roundtable. Welcome, everybody, to the next edition of Edumusication Roundtable. My name is Mike Zimmerlich. I will be your moderator. And a little bit about myself, I am the owner and founder of 8020 Records, which is an independent record label where we give 80% royalties to our artists. So, uh, yeah, we're kind of a big deal, just a little bit. Anyway, we're really, really excited today because we have the topic today is music and gaming and film, and we have such an amazing lineup of panelists. So um, I'm very, we're all very, very grateful for all of you to take the time to come out here. So thank you all so much for being here. We really do appreciate it. So we're going to start um, by I would like each of you to introduce yourself. Uh, Susie, I'll we'll start with you. Go ahead and talk to you about talk about yourself. Okay, sure. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Susie, and uh, I'm music composer. So uh, I finish a game this year and uh, it's called Luna the Shadow Dust. It just got released this February and um, yeah, I pretty enjoy this, uh, this project and I'm also this co-founder, yeah, co-founder of this team, the Lantern Studio. So um, hello everyone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Patrick? Uh, my name is Patrick Richelis. I uh, am the co-owner of Fat Bard, um, which is a music composition and sound design company. Um, we've worked on over 80 titles, uh, ranging from smaller indie games to um, a lot of like mobile IP work, like uh, the more recent Harry Potter Wizards Unite game, um, kind of Pokemon Go with Harry Potter or whatever. Uh, but yeah, um, we've just uh, been working remotely like that and been doing it for about eight years now, I think. Wow. Alex. Hi, uh, my name is Alexander Bornstein. Uh, I'm a composer uh, based in Los Angeles, California. Uh, currently, I am working on the uh, Netflix series Transformers War for Cybertron Trilogy. And I have been out here for about 10 years. And uh, yeah, that's that's just definitely taking up most of my time right now. Oh, I'm sure. And how about you, Frank? Um, my name is Francisco. I'm with a music learning manager for Full Cell Labs at Full Cell University. Uh, we basically teach all the kids and teens and education from music to gaming and media, film, and I kind of handle the music side of it for the teens and kids at Full Cell. Excellent. Uh, now, Susie, I'll start with you with the first question. Um, so, how, um, are you a musician yourself? How, how did you get into... Oh, I see what we're doing here. Oh, we're going to leave. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I completely forgot about you, Gabe. I can't (laughs) believe this. Gabe, go ahead. Introduce Um, yourself. Wow. (laughs) 
That's hilarious, actually. That's the, okay. I will say this is the first time at all the roundtables I actually forgot somebody. I will say that. I think, were you getting me back? Because didn't I do, the, didn't I forget to ask you something on the last roundtable? You did. So there, I, I we're even so, now. Yeah, we're, we're even now. <laughs> Go ahead, well, Gabe. <laughs> well, hey, everyone. Uh, I'm Gabe Kubanda. I own the Epic Proportions Tour and uh, edumusication.org. And uh, I'm also an artist as well and, uh, and a songwriter. So uh, I've been uh, playing a lot of iOS games on my phone ever since our tours got canceled since March. <laughs> Normally I'd be out on the road all over the country and uh, internationally performing and speaking and doing a lot of crazy stuff. But uh, I've been playing a lot of games that I've been noticing that the games that I really love, whether it, it be on a mobile platform or even on, uh, you know, on a computer desktop, uh, the games that I really, really love have amazing soundtracks. And so I started looking up the names of the composers of those games and, uh, and on some of the films that I like. And, uh, and this is kind of how the whole idea got born. Well, thank you, Gabe. Okay, so uh, to revert back for a second, I do apologize about that. Um, Susie, uh, so I was asking you about um, uh, music. Are you a musician yourself? Yeah, um, I'm a piano player as well. Actually, I was teaching piano when I was in China because I just moved to Canada like the end of 2017. So before that, I was mostly doing the job as a piano teacher as well as sometimes doing some side project for the game, like composition for the game. Or, yeah, like this. Hmm. So, wow. So how, then, then how did you make that jump from, from being a piano teacher into your current position? How did you do that? Yeah, because I actually I studied composition when I was in the college. Uh, the contemporary composition. So that was... But uh, after I graduated, I, I found piano teaching is very easy to make a living. So I, and I was do, doing this piano teacher job since I was in the college, and since I was a student. So I just was kept keeping doing it. So, <laughs> uh, uh, but I still love to compose. I don't want to lose a skill. So I, when I was teaching and I was volunteer to do some kind of like job for the game, for the game, conversation job for the, for the game. So after I came, moved to Canada, and I was uh, in the team of Lantern Studio. So I just want to focus on the conversation, try to switch because I still feel like my passion is to to compose. Especially, I love the game. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the change like this. Wow. And so, did you did you just apply? Like, how? Like, what? What what did it take you from getting from like how did you actually get get your job? Because a lot of people that are watching this live stream are curious about how you get to where you are. Because there are a lot of you know amazing you know teach piano teachers out there or just teachers in general and music and so forth. And some of them want to get more into composition as a living, but oh. that sometimes is not always easy to do. So can you explain a little bit further about how how you got into to the position that you're in now? Uh, you mean from the piano teacher to the composition, right? Correct, Composer. exactly, to composition. For yeah. being, being hired as a, as a, yeah, for composition. Being hired, yeah. Because I, uh, my husband, when I, were, uh, when I met him, he, he, he's employee, he was employee in uh, uh, Ubisoft Shanghai. So, mm. uh, yeah, so he was already part of the game industry. And this, his colleagues wants to, wanted to make a game at the time, so he introduced me to join his team. So it's like, you know, some people from the industry. So it's maybe it's easier for you to get in. But I know like if you want to start some, uh, uh, maybe try, try to find some uh, projects. Maybe you can, uh, I only know the game, like maybe you can try some game jam, which happens every year. Anyone can join. You can join as an audio or composer. You can join as a programmer. Yeah, so you can meet more people, but you, mostly the game jam is like only two days event. You're not going to get paid, so you're going to meet more people there. Yeah. Excellent. And then um, I'm going to jump to you, Alex, because I mean, working on more Cybertron right now, that sounds amazing. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, more about yourself and um, you know, uh, what's your background in music? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, so I 
moved out to Los Angeles about 10 years ago. Um, and before that, you know, I kind of did what a lot of people do. You know, I uh, went to music school. I did jazz piano in my undergraduate. And then uh, I did my uh, master's in music theory composition. And that started to skew me a little more toward uh, film and television. Um, you know, but I grew up listening to soundtracks and always appreciating, you know, that music and kind of always having a, a, an ear for it. And so uh, when I moved out to Los Angeles, you know, it was, there was still some, and I don't know what the landscape is like now, but there was, a, uh, there was an accessibility in terms of being able to find opportunities for interning. And when I was in uh, graduate school at NYU, I had reached out to a number of composers to try and intern for um, in my summer semester because I didn't have any classes and I figured, you know, I, had, I, I found, you know, a friend who I could crash with for the summer in Los Angeles. And so uh, I ended up interning for uh, Bear McCreary. And that was like a really good sort of gateway to kind of beginning to understand the landscape of what the film and television community, for lack of a better term, looked like as it related to music in Los Angeles. And so that I kind of started making contacts and building that way. And then uh, I moved back after finishing my master's and, you know, was able to kind of leverage a lot of connections I had made from that one internship into other opportunities. And I just sort of was cold calling and emailing and was just trying to get my foot in the door um, at a studio somewhere working for other, you know, working for composers who were working on other projects. And that was kind of the catalyst that, you know, sort of, I, not say got me where I am today, but it helped sort of get my feet planted in a place where I could start to have a, you know, awareness of what was going on. And, um, you know, that, sort of helped me sort of then uh, eventually start working for Christopher Leonard's and I was his assistant for a long time. And he he kind of gave me sort of the biggest sort of crash course on how to navigate things and, and you know, all kinds of, you know, music things and just industry things. And, um, you know, that that was kind of the biggest stepping stone in terms of, you know, getting to sort of where I am now, which is doing uh, Transformers. And how, how long did it take you, just give a little bit of perspective, how long did it take you from, from when you started to now? Um, so I moved out in 2011. So like I said, it's just, just about 10 years. Um, and it was maybe, I was very lucky when I first moved out to LA after school, um, you know, cause I, was, my first sort of real job or sort of paying gig um, after school was working at uh, Remote Control Productions, which is the Hans Zimmer studio. And so I was, I was very fortunate to kind of meet a couple of people who were like, oh, well, you know, they might be looking for interns. Why don't you just email this person? And then um, that was about six months after I moved out here. And then I was there for about nine months. And then after that, ended up working uh, with Chris at his studio. And then I was there for about four years. And then I went freelance. Uh, I still work for Chris all the time, but I, I went freelance about five years ago. Wow. We're definitely gonna come back to about freelancing because that's definitely a very different thing in comparison to having a full-time job. So definitely want to get back to that. Oh, cool, of course. Uh, I'll, I'll, let's jump to you, Patrick. Uh, talk a little bit more about your background in music. Are, you know, what instruments do you play, if any? Sure. Um, uh, I went to music school, like a lot of people. Um, and then um, I studied uh, engineering and production. Um, my original idea was that I was going to be a recording engineer. Um, and during the time, I did some internships at studios and kind of quickly discovered that right around that time, I graduated in 07. That was kind of around the time that uh, recording studios were dropping their rates dramatically from like $200 an hour or whatever to like 60 or something um, in some places. And um, that sort of... Uh, that idea of becoming the intern and the assistant engineer and et cetera, kind of moving up the chain um, was starting to kind of crumble a little bit. Um, that still can exist in certain places, but uh, a lot of studios now it's, you know, whoever owns it is the head engineer and everyone else just rents it out essentially. Um, that sort of hierarchy is a little bit different. And so I got out of school and ended up uh, starting up my own uh, recording studio essentially. Um, and uh, I taught lessons. Uh, I play guitar primarily, but I can also play piano and ukulele and bass and a bunch of random instruments. Um, and then uh, when I was 27, I decided uh, with a friend uh, to start this, to, to try to do game stuff. Um, uh, I had my first kid and I basically asked my wife, 
give me two years. Two years, I'm going to just go for it. Um, it's going to be a lot of work that's unpaid. Um, and if it doesn't work out, I'll keep it as a hobby, but it won't be kind of my main career or whatever. Um, but things ended up working out. Uh, I started out by doing game jams, um, as Susie mentioned. Um, that is an extremely helpful thing to meet other developers and other artists and just, just building your network. Your network is, is, is anybody that works in games, right? So, you know, I've gotten jobs through just like a random art person that I worked with on some other project or even from a game jam or whatever. Um, and uh, it's not always this sort of like direct one-to-one -one solicitation of sort of like approaching a developer and saying, can I work for you, right? Um, it's, it's a lot of referral things. And so just getting to know everybody is important. Um, and game jams are great because you can learn about other disciplines, which is really important in games because you're working on a team and you have to understand how all the pieces work together. Um, you know, not just your role in it. Um, and in doing that, you become better, but also you, you again, you network with, with people of other disciplines. But uh, yeah, so uh, me and my partner did a lot of game jams. Um, we ended up uh, working with a team that had a, a game that was fairly successful, um, successful enough to kind of give us that push. Uh, a lot of times uh, in games, it's, it's, it's having that one title, right? That one thing that you can throw out and people say, oh yeah, I've, I've heard of that. Um, it just, you know, it, it's an unfortunate thing, but in networking and in industry events or whatever, if you're talking to someone and you'd say, they say, what'd you work on? You say, blah, 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 blah. They're like, I haven't heard any of those, right? But if you say this one thing this one's heard of, they have their ears perk up, they go, oh, oh, this person, this person has done whatever, you know? Uh, it helps a lot to have that one, that one title and kind of give you uh, that, that big boost that you kind of need early in your career. Um, so part of that was, you know, obviously networking and hustling. Uh, part of it is luck, you know, but uh, that has definitely opened up a lot of opportunities for us. Um, and we're just completely freelance and, and, and all that and have just, uh, uh, just worked on various projects through, through networking on Twitter, networking at uh, uh, GDC, the Global uh, sorry, the Game Developers Conference uh, every year, um, except not this year uh, and maybe not the next year. We'll see. Um, uh, uh, just networking events like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's, that's sort of where, where we're at. Uh, it, it's less so of a, um, unlike a film where there is, I think there still is sort of this, this idea where you can intern and, and start working at other companies and kind of sort of work your way up that way. It doesn't quite work that way in, 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 in games necessarily, um, where you sort of work under, under someone else that is, that is, uh, um, kind of further along essentially. Um, you kind of just from the get-go typically have to just kind of freelance and just just go for it, hustle. Yeah. It's amazing too, because I, I uh, co-founded 8020 Records when I was 23 years old. So uh, I know exactly what it's like to be, to start something relatively young and saying, okay, we're going to just try to see what happens and hope for the best yeah. and give it a couple of years to, to make it work. And for yeah. me, that was, uh, geez, over 12 years ago, actually now. <laughs> so it dates me a little bit. Um, Frank, uh, let's talk about you for a second. Uh, so talk to us more about how you got involved with Full Sail and uh, are you a musician yourself? Uh, I am. Um, I, I kind of started my, my discipline was uh, the IT guy. I was computer science, IT major, went through all the colleges, um, kind of graduated. Uh, but I was born in southern Spain, uh, right next to Jerez, which is the earth, uh, earthquake of the world of flamenco. My family plays flamenco, like everybody was involved in the music. Uh, it was something that you did. So I'm a guitarist. I learned guitar, play guitar in church. It's just kind of the way that I kind of blossom. Uh, I taught myself uh, piano. Uh, I just consumed a lot of John Hughes' movies, you know, Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles. Uh, I love Deepesh Mode. From all those things, uh, being a techie guy that kind of played off, I started at Full Sail as computer science director. I became the math director, the science director. Um, and then uh, Full Sail Labs started, which was teaching kids and teens all through the year, um, basically audio and music production. And I was a fill-in. I happened to show up. And next thing you know, it was like, are you kidding me? You need to stay. So I kind of stood. 2020 uh, has been really good for me. I kind of done three movies, short films for the first time. So I'm a new film composer into all Congratulations. this. Congratulations, that's amazing. Thank you. Um, and it's kind of like open up a candy box. It's like, are you kidding me? You know, that's kind of what we got to do. So I, I, I won't be ashamed. I'm almost going to turn 50 and I can tell anybody out here that you can change your hats. If you're passionate about something, 
at any time in your career. And that's kind of been it. And Full Sail has been a passion. I've been at Full Sail for 20 years. Wow. Um, I love this place and I love the students and what kind of what we try to do. That's incredible. Now, Gabe, now you're the uh, one of the outliers between you and myself about not being a necessarily composer, uh, but um, both you and I actually have musical backgrounds, uh, myself being mostly piano and trumpet and yourself mostly uh, guitar and vocals. Is there, is there any other music instruments that, that, that I, even, I don't know about that you can play? Oh, I mean, I, I started on drums, uh, but uh, I was not very good. <laughs> That's I fair. Play a, I play a little bit of bass and keys, but my main, uh, you know, forte is songwriting, uh, which I guess goes into composition a little bit, but not as intense. Um, but I have been doing, especially since COVID, doing a lot of uh, Zoom co-writes with uh, songwriters from all over the country. Um, just wrote a country song with a guy in Nashville. I've never written a country song before. That was interesting. Um, and I've been really looking into, uh, you know, having the music that I've already recorded with, you know, as my solo project and with my, my other bands and the songs I write for other people, um, having those songs go on to live a different life outside of that. So, for example, my latest song, Let's Ride, that came out in March, um, a French DJ named Max M remixed it totally different, created something completely new out of the stems. And that turned into its own animal, you know, and own thing. And I thought that was really, really cool. Um, and I've been thinking, and I'm creating a anime music video uh, to go along with the Let's Ride song. And I'm going to be having every single song release after this be a continuation of this anime uh, music video concept. And I'm exploring turning that into its own little iOS game or Steam game eventually, uh, linking all of my songs kind of in sequential or non-sequential order, I don't know yet, or little bits and pieces of it uh, to kind of bring out this world. So it's just something I'm super interested about. And I'm just very, with music, you never know where it's gonna take you. You know, um, I always thought I'd be in a rock band you know, or a, a grunge band in Seattle, you know, and you just the ups and downs and the, and the turns that life takes and the opportunities that you get for just staying the course and not giving up. I, I truly believe in like the, you know, the 10,000 hours, you know, that equates to roughly 10 years or so, um, you know, and for some people it happens earlier, some people it happens later, but I do think that, you know, that uh, persistence and that not giving up is uh, something's bound to happen. Absolutely. Um, Susie, now uh, go back to you for a second. And now I understand that you and Patrick work together on a project. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I think it's important for people to understand that not only uh, Patrick even mentioned it about the importance of networking, and I cannot stress that enough of that, of that type of collaboration and so forth. So can you talk more about how you came about meeting uh, Patrick and the project that you guys worked on? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, we used to have a sound designer working with us, but unfortunately uh, he has something else to do. So he has to, to, he has to leave without finishing the work. So at that time you were like to, super urgent to find a sound designer uh, or sound designer studio to help us to finish some unfinished sound effects in the game cutscenes. So we contact our, um, I think that's our marketing, marketing a guy, one of our market, marketing guy based in London, UK. And he introduced us, uh, Patrick, uh, which is Fat Bart. And um, yeah, that was like super, super cool and super, um, super lucky to, to, to find Patrick because they did, a very, uh, they did a brilliant job for the sound design. Like everything works smoothly. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, we were introduced to several uh, sound designers, but, but their resume is totally, totally like their website actually totally. Um, I, mean, I, I don't know the word stunning or something like totally. I like uh, I, when I saw their <laughs> website, my website, I like okay. okay, that's that's the guy. <laughs> that's the guy we we have to uh, to to work, work together because like 
Berkeley uh, Berkeley College, I think. The, yeah. yeah, the music college. So like, mm, I was, yeah, go going for it. Yeah. And, and now, Patrick, is that usually how you get your work? Is is through those kind of uh, through those kind of contacts or situations? Yeah, it'll it'll be random like that sometimes. Um, yeah. Oddly enough, the way that that marketing person knew about us is that we worked on a we we pitched for a game for sound design that we actually didn't get the job on. Um, and then that same game was under the sort of under the umbrella of this marketing company. And, and that developer said, Hey, these guys are still really good. Like you should hire them for this. It's just like the most random thing, but yeah, not getting one gig essentially. And we somehow got another gig through that same person, you know, um, which was actually really uh, kind of a neat thing, but yeah, usually it's, it's something like that where, it's a, a, you know, it's, it's just, it can be extremely random. So that's why you, you know, you just got to uh, um, keep networking and meeting people and, 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 yeah. and it goes and it's reciprocal. That's the thing. It's really important that, uh, and I think this is important for people, young people to know is that uh, networking is just not about what other people can do for you. If you have that attitude, you're not going to network well. Um, people are going to notice that and, and, and uh, it's, it's not good. You really should not go and having that attitude you should networking is also what you can do for other people. You know, if someone's looking for an artist, use your network, say, Hey, any of my artist uh, buddies, do you do, do any of you, are you looking for this job? You know, is this a good fit for you or someone, you know, is looking for someone very specific. I'm looking for someone that, that, you know, does a vector logo work or whatever. And you, and, and you might say, Oh, I, I know someone, I know the, the perfect person for this and, and connect the two of them. You know, uh, it's kind of like matchmaking, you know, um, and you really, it's really important to approach networking like that. And I think some people that are just fresh coming out approach it the other way where it's always about consuming. It's about, you know, you know, building network for yourself. Um, and doing that is, it's, it's important because it, it, in the end it does, it, it, that, that furthers your network too. Um, going, going both ways like that. So it's, I think that's really important. I, no, I, go ahead, I second that by saying, you know, that's why um, a lot of us go to these, music industry conferences or gaming conferences. Mike, you're probably just going to say that, huh? Uh, <laughs> yep. Um, we go to NAM, we go to South by Southwest. Now, you know, obviously COVID shut everything down for the time being, but they'll be back, right? And so, especially as a student, especially as a young musician, if you don't have a pool of those resources or those friends around you uh, to network with or to connect with, those type of conventions are where we all go to make those connections, especially if we don't live in the big cities mm -hmm. um, or if we're just, you know, whatever the reason is find, find a gaming convention or um, uh, a music industry convention that's going on. Uh, find some people, you know, use your mentors. I know I went to UCLA extension for music business and I had a video game production class taught by the head video game, uh, video A&R at Interscope. And I was so shy and young and I didn't understand what to do with that connection that I didn't act on it. And I didn't, uh, you know, all of those connections back in the day, I was just too shy. I didn't know how about going about talking to them. So if you could, and if, especially if a lot of musicians are like that, they're very shy or they're very, introverted introspective like if you can watch how outgoing people do talk at the conventions if you watch them and try to see what questions they're asking and their body language and stuff that really makes a big difference and you can start to feel more comfortable going up to a video game designer or a, a composer or an editor and just asking them questions and more often than not they love to chat and they love to give advice now I have to I have to ask this, ask this question. This is for everybody here. Do would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Introvert. Fifty-fifty. Fifty-fifty. If I'm a DJ, I'm an extrovert. That's fair, but but everywhere else, are you more introverted? Yeah, I'm just more introverted. That's fair. Fairly introverted, um, but I I do I don't I thankfully I don't get too shy when it comes to like if it's like an email or a phone call that does that comes a little bit more easily um but outside of that i, I tend to be pretty introverted how about how about you Susie? i think i'm 
I'm okay to talk to people, but I don't feel comfortable to go out to 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 talk to. Yes, I prefer to maybe talk talk on. I mean, I know maybe online through email through the chat. But if I have to go to a game convention to talk to people, I was like, ah, oh, feels feels stressful. Oh, I'm going to talk to some people tomorrow. <laughs> what should I do? <laughs> it's like this. But if I if I go there, like I'm, I will be okay. Yeah, it's like this. I think that's important because I'm also the same thing too. I'm, I consider myself to be a very introverted person as well. So since for the most part, we're all here, mostly introverted, uh, give or take, is that, you know, I, I can imagine some people that are just starting off, especially if they are also have those introverted tendencies, how, you know, how do they get themselves to the point of being comfortable reaching out to people and asking for things? So I, I think this is important to have this conversation because everyone's, you know, they don't know what they need to do to, they, they have the drive, they have the passion and so forth, but they don't know really on how to ask or even in the beginning, like what to even provide, you know, even about having a network is about what you can give back. But if you're just starting off, what is there to, to give back? Um, what, what is your, everyone's thoughts on that? As a teacher, um, I try to always put a platform that gives them confidence and being welcoming. Unfortunately, you never know. Every person you run into is not going to do that, right? Some people are just going to be right on the wall. It's going to be hard to crack through, uh, especially if you got something to offer. But I think uh, that the most that I have to give them, and, and I've seen this through a lot of the full cell curriculum have structure with groups and getting to kind of talk to each other and so forth, is always um, try to welcome that out of them. And that gives them enough confidence to go to, for example, to GDC, right? And then know that what I got to do at GDC is I got to get to know people, shake hands, put resumes on the table. So I think that kind of starts to marry. And as you get older, you break through because especially with the COVID age, I think we're all becoming more introverted every day. You know, it's kind of like we're not leaving the house anymore. So it becomes a problem. That's just my thought as a teacher. Anybody else uh, want to chime in on that? I mean, I think, you know, the developing that confidence is, is really important. And I think, you know, it's really, it's exciting and it's good to know that like, you know, people like Frank are at Full Sail who are instilling that confidence in people because you need to kind of get to a point where you sort of understand that, you know, it's it, at a certain point, it becomes sink or swim. At a certain point, you do need to be able to cross that threshold and ask for help, offer help, and know how to uh, navigate those situations because, um, you know, none of it comes to you. you. You have to seek it out, even in those situations where you're offering your help or you're, you know, trying to put yourself out there. Um, you know, you can't live in a bubble um, and expect, you know, the world to kind of come to you and figure itself out for you. And so I think it's, it's important that, yeah, when you're in school and when you're just starting out, you know, you are learning yourself as much as you can so that you can understand, oh, okay, I'm not so you know, in person, I'm fine, but emails I'm not good at, or emails I'm really good at, but in person, I kind of clam up and don't know, you know, how to get through those, those situations without becoming really overwhelmed. And, you know, the, the sooner you can start sort of deconstructing and figuring yourself out, um, it's really important to be able to cross those thresholds. And I, I think, you know, school is probably um, the best time to, to be doing that. I just think it gives you that structure. Absolutely. Yeah, you have that flexibility and the time, you know, like I think, you know, as a loose analogy, you know, the only time in my life where I could practice piano for eight to 10 hours a day was in school. You know, if I did that now, I, I wouldn't be able to, you know, get food. I wouldn't be surviving, you know, so it's, it's such a wonderful time, you know, and even just getting out, out of school, you know, that's such a, it's a perfect time to really take that inventory and figure yourself out and, and, and gain that confidence. I agree. Is I think another big part of it too is, is being honest as well about where you're at with things. I think that's also an important thing too is that, you know, most of us, you know, once you've been in the industry for a long time, you kind of know, you can kind of smell when somebody's giving, you know, blowing hot air. So, you know, you also want to be transparent. If you're just starting off, even if you don't have a lot to offer, at least being honest, because we've all been in that position. We all started somewhere. And I think that's also important to understand too, that even if you don't have a lot to give, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't ask either because we've all needed help. We all were at some point where we didn't know what to do. And it, it helps when you have either 
with whether it's education or some sort of mentorship or somebody that can show you the ropes. I mean, even Gabe, uh, I learned a lot about networking through Gabe. He showed me a lot about how to reach out to brands and to, you know, how to communicate with them and so forth. And, you know, even if we didn't have too much value, at least showing, you know, that we are had an invested interest into helping them out in some form or fashion, whatever that may be. And so I give a lot of credit to Gabe because Gabe, Gabe is a, he, he has, he's humble about his beginnings, but let me tell you, like he's an expert when it comes to connecting and networking with people. I'm a, a forced extrovert. Like I was an introvert. That's a good one. Yeah. All the way until I started being in music and uh, slowly, you know, having to be on stage and having to be in front of people and hating it for a long time and finally <laughs> becoming okay with it. Like case in point, I gave, I would like to talk a little bit more about how you reached out to everybody because again, like that's something that most people don't like imagine do like looking at the credits of games and then just randomly hitting up people like, and I actually would like to hear all of your reactions to Gabe reaching out to you too, because a number of you don't even had no idea who Gabe was until he reached out to you. So Gabe, can you talk a little bit more about that? And then I'll love each of you, um, your reaction to when Gabe reached out to you for this uh, particular live stream. They're probably like, who is this fool? Probably one in all of your spams at first, like the first month. Uh, <laughs> no, I was just I was just really enthralled with some of the soundtracks in these games I was playing, and I was like, oh my, you know, we've been doing this education um, roundtable uh, every single month, I think since May, right? Yeah, and, since May. Um, we've been having on a variety of different topics from live touring, you know, music venues, you know, songwriting, everything. And um, I was just like, oh, this would be such a great topic. Um, Susie, your game, uh, Luna, especially, I want to I wanna shout out, um, if you guys have a Mac, uh, Luna, Shadow Dust, um, is it on Steam as well? Yeah, it's um, only on Steam right now, but it's con- coming out to Switch next it's month. It's coming out on Switch. Awesome. Next few days, it's, yeah. It's, it's this beautiful hand-drawn, like, click and point adventure game, which I love. I, lo- I love those kind of games. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. The, so- the soundtrack was just so beautiful and um, just so moving. And it, it's one of those where, you know, when you see a movie and this, the soundtrack like pairs perfectly with it and just enhances it in such a way that you're just like, oh, that's dope. Uh, yeah, I saw the message like, I was not thinking like, oh my gosh, the first guy is going to interview me. <laughs> I received the message because usually the interview for, for Luna usually is for our artist. She, she's really talented. Her art is like gorgeous, super gorgeous. So I was like, oh, okay, uh, another interview. Okay, for artists. And then now, oh, music. Also, <laughs> my mind, epic. <laughs> yeah, like super excited. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the sad thing is that in, you know, as you guys all know, with scoring and composing, like a lot of times music is the last, the last uh, piece of the puzzle and also the, the smallest budget, right? Uh, especially- uh, for Luna, for Luna, no. For Luna, Luna's very unique. I think it's quite different from any other game. Like, I never heard any composer yeah, maybe there there are some, but very very few. Like the game, the game composer part part of the team. This is quite rare. Yeah, so I joined the team in the first, maybe up uh, two thousand fifteen actually. So that was like super long time ago, and then I already started to compose at the time, for only for Luna. So quite different <laughs> it's not for you, say, day, but. you say that it's rare for that to happen and it is but it shouldn't be that way you know what i'm you know what i mean yeah 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 um, i know yeah and i think this is a this is the time of the world where things are shifting again yeah. and to where uh i think people are paying more attention to music and film and tv and games and this is a, an extreme opportunity for full sale students and other musicians who are looking to get into uh, sound design and, and comp- composition for games and other things to jump in and mm. to offer their services and to, uh, you know, like with me, it was just an email uh, or I found you guys on LinkedIn 
or uh, I read your IMDb credits, or I played your game, you know, uh, it's so easy to, to be able to contact someone and just say, hey, I loved your game, I love the music, you know, let's chat, and that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember uh, when I first reached out to the team, uh, through my husband, so I just played a demo. Like, only, there were only three or four demos at that time, but I already composed one track. So I just sent to the team, okay, so what do you think? <laughs> and then they, they reached out to me later. So don't, don't feel afraid to talk to them if you are interested in the project or, or the team. Yeah. By the way, guys, uh, just to jump in here, we, we have like 157 comments on the Full Sail Wow. Uh, page, uh, do you want to? Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to ask some of those questions? Are there a bunch a of questions? Of questions. Yeah, I was gonna. Say. Okay, let's let's go ahead. Let's let's start answering some questions from everyone else. They're tired of us now. <laughs> um, oh, here's a good just little quote uh, from David Ryan. Uh, he said, "Sound design is the key to people's emotions." Ooh, I think I like that's that. Pretty, Very good. Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, a couple students had questions on if you guys ever use Maya for uh, the, the, the program for either for audio and video kind of mashing together or, or do you guys ever use that for, you know? Uh, I mean, I'll say um, no. What, typically what we do is uh, we'll uh, use whatever audio software we have. Like for example, I use Pro Tools uh, and we'll just take um, the audio, the video and just slap it in there and uh, work over that. Um, I also use like Adobe Premiere Pro, uh, just to like pr prep things. Uh, if I need to take a bunch of gameplay clips, for example, and just splice them together or whatever, um, I'll prep that in Adobe and then throw it into Pro Tools. Um, or yeah, if I have to sort of show off something in some way or, or whatever, I'll, sometimes I'll take the audio assets later and throw them into Adobe and do something there. But, uh, in general, no, not, not using my, at least on my end. Yeah, I don't. I don't typically use it. Yeah. What, what I do you use, use uh, yeah. Alexander? Uh, so I uh, I do all of my writing in Cubase, um, and then I have it's a, a two rig setup. So I'm writing in Cubase, but I'm actually monitoring all of my audio in Pro Tools. So all of my audio gets printed into that environment, so it's easy to turn sessions over for you know to a dubbing mixer or to, a, you know, to an audio engineer if he's going to do a mix. Um, but those, I, I, and then I have Vienna Ensemble for hosting samples. Um, and then obviously a whole, you know, bajillion plugins that I can't, you know, I don't remember I have them until I need them. But yeah. those, are the, those are the three primary pieces of software that I'm in every day. I, I will say it's a really common question for uh, uh, younger folks to ask what software you use. And I always have to say, it doesn't matter. I say this yeah. every time people ask me, I say, it doesn't matter. Don't, it's uh, usually when people ask me those kinds of questions, I say, uh, I try to point them to the right questions, questions that are uh, maybe more, more important to ask maybe, um, because I'll just say it, it really doesn't matter. All the software is, is caught up to each other nowadays. It's more about whatever works for you and your situation. Um, yeah, I mean, like 15 years when I was in college, like, yeah, there was a huge difference between like using reason reason didn't even have actual audio. It was just all MIDI and the, and the instrument racks, you know, there was a huge difference between the different pieces of software, but nowadays it's all the same. If you want to do audio, you can use whatever you want. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 They all work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if most of you guys probably have Macs, you can use GarageBand, you know, it's right. like, yeah. <laughs> iPhone to get jot down ideas and notes and melodies. I say this every time. It's like, you know, if it's your passion, don't let anything hold you back, whether it's technology, other people, naysayers, you know, uh, anybody, you know. Yeah, definitely. That was a good question. Um, what other questions we have, Gabe? Oh my God, there's so many. It's like, I keep, I keep scrolling and more keep coming up. Let's see, I just saw a good one. Oh, um, do you, I can't remember who asked this. Somebody asked, um, in terms of editing along with the game and, and, and the video, do, are you guys involved heavily in that process as well? 
um, let's say you're scoring for something and you had a let's say the game track already laid out or a film you know your beats to meet and then the um, the director cuts a bunch of stuff or adds a scene and you have to edit the crap out of it again yeah that's that's pretty common for me where the the i i'm not that I'm not privy to the decisions that get made. It's just the video changes and then I have to conform as I go along. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, same. Yeah, like we don't do tons of linear work like that, but we do a lot of game trailers and stuff like that or cut scenes where, where there is sort of a, a video, there's eventually gonna be a video lock that the music has to sync to, right? But typically what uh, we do in those situations is again, this is different than doing like a, a TV show or, or a film, I think, but in those situations, like let's say a trailer, we ask how long they need to be, what the arc, the, the emotions and stuff like that of the whole thing is going to be. Uh, we then make essentially a, 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 a rough track that they then edit to typically. Uh, then they will come back and inevitably say, we changed something and now you need it. It's going to be some back and forth, but usually it starts with us actually being able to kind of dictate some of how it's going to go. Um, there are times though, when we literally just get something and it's like just video you need to, it's, this is like locked now and you just, you haven't even made music yet and you have to just make this work. And so we've got tempo changes every two measures, you know, just like up or down, like two BPM or something just to kind of like, just to just get it to stretch a little bit and work. And it's really easy if it's orchestral, but it's way harder if it's like, got you know actual like a, like a drum kit kind of um production on it or whatever um then it's a lot more noticeable when you try to like slowly change things on people you know yeah yeah and to talk to the director like uh, the way i work with our art director like we have to talk a lot communicate a lot because the casting the first draft maybe is going to be very different from the final so you can also offer your ideas. What do you think? Maybe the music, this part can boost a little bit or to stretch this casting a little bit longer. Like something like they like to talk to the director, talk to the uh, uh, creator a lot. Always communicate, always be creative to, to talk to each other. Yeah, this can really help. I try to teach a lot of the kids that their composition has to be modular and be prepared to elongate in certain parts. No, in other words, know your Lego pieces, right? Uh, so if you're working on a piece, it's only a minute and a half and somebody asks 30 seconds to that, that you know where those feelings can go and where you can put those things. I think if you, you think that way ahead of time, then you can start working with someone a lot faster. I'm learning so much right now. Gabe, any other questions? Um, one of the one of the people had a, had an interesting question about um, internships coming out of college. Um, I've been I've been in an internship. I've been in a couple internship scenarios, some good and some not good. Meaning, you know, uh, let's say one internship was with a music manager who treated his interns very badly, made him do all his personal stuff. <laughs> and uh it was just uh you know a, a kind of a disappointing situation uh the other you know was a really great internship and it turned into you know being a mentor and getting work from it and you know and just being a good person so i'm i'm interested in your guys's take on that if you guys have done any internships in your like beginning phases or anything Uh, I mean, I'll just randomly say, like, I, I did I did internships in college, but they were more for uh, recording studios. Um, and um, like I said, around that time, it was sort of uh, changing a little bit where it was less likely that an intern was going to become an assistant engineer or whatever. Um, and so my internship experience was kind of negative in that regard because I went in um, – expecting this this hierarchy thing and then the the two different studios i interned at were kind of like yeah that's not really going to happen but you're more than welcome to rent this place out like as soon as you get out of school like you can just come here and you can find bands and just do it yourself and freelance and just use our studio and we'll give you whatever a cut on rates or something like that or you know give you a deal or something but it, it didn't quite work out the way that i was expecting but uh, in terms of games uh for music there aren't really as far as I know, like I said, uh, there aren't really a lot of opportunities for that. 
um, um, I, I think that there, you know, there are probably some like AAA composers that that might uh, take some some folks on, um, or at least mentor a little bit or something like that. Um, there's a lot of opportunities for that, by the way. Um, there are a lot of like mentorship opportunities from from anybody in audio, especially audio is very very like welcoming. It's a great community in games. Um, you can literally just reach out to anybody and just be like, I have some questions. Um, or can I, you know, can, uh, I would love it if you could somehow mentor me in some way, just periodically over, over the course of a, of a year or something like that. Um, just, just, uh, stuff like that. I think my child is banging on the door behind me. Um, but, uh, it's okay. Uh, this is what zoom yeah. is for. We all, we all get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been waiting for that moment to happen where then he opens the door and he comes and going, <laughs> like, in, uh, like in that uh, TV broadcaster that has happened many times with developer chats, by the way, but, uh, Anyways, yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot of opportunities for mentorships in games, but less internships. I've had people approach me saying, "Can I intern?" I say, "Well, I work from my house. If you want to like buy me coffee, like and bring it here, um, and then hang out for an hour, like and watch me work, like maybe." But I don't really have anything that you can do work wise. Um, but I've definitely done that with people where this, you know, local people will just come and, you know, they'll just watch me work and I'll talk and work through my process. But um, yeah, uh, but I assume like Alex and like films and such, obviously these, I, I think it's still the case where internships are are a real thing that that is that is definitely a, a decent choice to make either in college or after college, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I luck plays such a huge part of it and timing and all those things. And, you know, a lot of those have favored you know, the effort I've been putting into this very well. And so I'm very fortunate in that aspect when I say, you know, that internships for me personally um, were the linchpin of how I was able to start having a career, um, you know, and I, it's difficult to, you know, really, you know, uh, overstate the importance that they had for me um, because, you know, that summer that I interned for for Bear was so important to kind of, you know, I, I, you know, lived in Orlando, I went to school at UCF and, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of exposure to the film and television industry and specifically how it related and how things worked in the music world. And, you know, I, I think I kind of went in with no expectations whatsoever. And I think that's something that's very important that a lot of people do when they go into an internship because you don't know how that wave is gonna break because I, I was in the same boat as, as it sounded like Gabe was, where I interned for composers who were awesome. I interned for composers who were not awesome. And, uh, but I learned invaluable things at every internship, invaluable things. Um, and I made connections with people that I still talk to to this day. And I, I've, uh, you know, opportunities and composing gigs, you know, five, six years down the line from things that I thought, you know, what is taking out this guy's garbage ever going to do for me? Um, but again, you go in with no expectations and I think it helps keep an open mind about what you're going to see and experience. And it all feeds into your, your, uh, your growth and not all of it has to be music related. It can be, Oh, that it's interesting how that person behaves in a playback. Oh, it's interesting how they did this to make sure that, you know, this, this, uh, connection that they have is being nurtured and it's just you learn so much by just kind of being a fly on the wall and someone told me that at an internship once and I thought it was really good advice where he was just saying you know never be the loudest person in the room always be just in the background absorbing and uh just processing all the time and I, I think internships in that sense for uh film and tv composition are very valuable um but it you know, but they are competitive to get into. And sometimes they may feel like it's not the most exciting opportunity in the world because you're just doing these things that aren't related to what you want to be doing, which is writing music. And it's, uh, it's sometimes hard to fight that battle, but you have to kind of be able to keep an open mind about everything. Now, Alex, if you don't mind real quick, uh, actually do, um, based upon what you mentioned, can you tell us one of the intangible things that you learned in one of your internships? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that the biggest one was that, that thing where he said never be the loudest person in the room, because I think like two yeah. days later, we were doing uh, recording overdubs for one of the TV shows that the composer was working on. And one of the one of the interns was the loudest person in the room. And, you know, it's just like 
they were missing how the engineer was talking to the musician in terms of being able to cue them, cue them up. And like, that was something I learned when I was recording someone maybe, you know, a year later, I was like, oh, I know how to set up this recording session so that like, we don't waste any time, um, you know, getting this done because the, you know, it's the, you know, time is money. You're hiring this person and they're here to help you. Um, and the most, you know, probably the other biggest thing I learned was just how to have a, a file structure an organization. You know, no, no, none of my composition professors taught me that, you know, in terms of what's your project prefix? How do you do version numbers? How do you, you know, when there's just this torrential downpour of information on a project, how do you keep your head above water? And, um, you know, that's something that like literally, you know, before I jumped on this call, I was using file naming things that I learned at these internships, you know, eight years ago. Wow. All right. We have time for maybe one more question, Gabe, and then we'll, because we're almost at the hour market already. Yeah. This went by so fast. Um, here's a little technical question for y'all's. Uh, this is from Antonio Brown. He asks, what is the correct DV? Uh, what, what's the correct DV should your song mix be at before sending the mastering or, uh, you know, before sending it over to whoever's approving it? Should it be at uh, Unity? Zero? I, in, in games, typically, if you're talking about, if you're talking about for the project, not for a soundtrack, for the project, what the actual media it's going to be on, typically you're going to go safer. Uh, you're not going to try to just like put everything at, 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 at just full full max blast or whatever. Um, now that being said, it just it, it totally depends. It depends on the project and like what you're what what you're going for. I don't think there's any like one way to to go about that. Um, yeah, typically we in games a lot of times the music is if the music is more like sort of processed and let's say it's like an electronic song or something like that like. We will just literally make the song mastered. Like we will, we will, we will make it for that volume. We will just, it, just so that basically when we do the soundtrack, we don't have to just completely redo everything we did. We don't need to remaster it. It's basically ready to go. Um, however, that depends. Sometimes in a game, for example, the music needs to have less high end because you need to let the sound effects come through, or vice versa. Uh, you need to uh, cut out some of the lows in general on the master so that you need to leave room in the sub for explosions, deep gunshots, whatever, impacts. Um, otherwise, you're kind of just overloading that low end um, and you don't want to do that. So there's a, yeah, with, with uh, uh, I would say in terms of mastering overall with media, um, maybe the question is less like the volume, but maybe more of like the overall just mastering in general that you're going to want to do on it. Uh, the overall mix, uh, EQ, compression, et cetera. Um, because like I said, you're, you're, you're working with a medium where it's not just the music, it's, it's, it's sound design, it's, it's, it's a, a dialogue. And so you, depending on the project, you might, your mastering chain might be different, basically. Um, that's something that I think is important. Also the platform, if you're going to mobile, for example, with the game, uh, the way you're gonna do it is very different um, because you're assuming everyone's listening on earbuds, right? Um, so, uh, you know, just like a mastering engineer is always trying to write, make it, make it sound good on any device, right? You're trying to sort of find that equilibrium, right? Um, but obviously you're going to test it on different devices. Uh, uh, you know, you're going to check your mix, like on some earbuds, be like, does it still sound, can I still hear the bass in the earbuds, right? My big boomy, uh, 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 boom box, you know, are, it, is, 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 is the bass just overwhelming now, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, anyways, uh, so yeah, I, I would, I think th that's a consideration that's really important when you're talking about mastering at all. It's just like, not necessarily volume so much, but just like the actual processing in the chain, EQ, stuff like that, depending on the platform it's going to, depending on the medium, depending on the genre of the game or, or film or whatever, you know? I get this question asked a lot for the purpose of like going up to streaming services, right? And mm. I always say, know your streaming services, know what they're gonna do with the music after they get it. If it's too loud, a lot of them will duck it, like Spotify, for example. Uh, and also, too, going back to what Patrick just said, just know your, your mastering chain. You know, know what you're doing with it in the sense of what you're going to output it for, whether it's film or gaming, stuff like that. Okay, Gabe, I think we can squeeze one more in. Oh, geez. Um, shoot. Do we have another one? 
Actually, I'd be very happy if that's all of them. I want to make sure we get everyone's questions answered. A lot, of software, a lot of software questions. We kind of uh, answered those already. Uh, I think the main the the takeaway from all of this really is that uh, is that you know one there's no one way to go about it. The music industry is always evolving. The film industry is always evolving. Two, I I equate it to like right now how like all those. Uh, home breweries were po are popping up everywhere over the last 10 years, right? Um, where everybody's starting their own company. Everyone's, all these indie game designers, all these indie film composers and musicians, we're all coming up together. And now has never been an easier time to be able to find someone who is maybe on that same level as you, your, your friends, your classmates, your uh, bandmates, you know, that you guys can partner with and kind of rise up together. Um, or being able to ask, ask uh, Alex uh, Bornstein over here, if he has some boring minutia, just manual labor drudgery that, you know, we all have to do paperwork or let's say uh, drum editing or vocal editing that you just you know, when it is, you know, like, um, I probably shouldn't have done that. I apologize. Uh, but what I mean is that there, we've been doing this for so long that there's some tasks that you as a student or as a burgeoning musician, maybe ha need practice doing, but we're just over it. We need to be concentrating on other things. And so that being, being able to step in as either an intern, learn how to do those those simple tasks and build on those tasks and get added on more complex tasks as they go along. And guess what? You're learning the system as you're doing it. You're learning the contacts. You're learning uh, the connections and the people and the ways that people like to do it at a certain level. And, you know, sooner or later you're running things. So, you know, that's what this whole edumusication thing is about is, you know, we want to inspire you guys to be able to jump in and and start in some careers that you will actually love and be excited to wake up in the morning and go to work, even if you're just sitting down at your laptop in your house right now and banging out some tracks, you know. So that's all I have to say. That's that's I couldn't say it better myself. Uh, so we'll we'll definitely end it here. I want to thank all of you for taking the time out to uh, to being a part of this. Thank you so much. And uh, this is Edumusication. So for all those watching right now, if you want to see more of these live streams, um, please go to edumusication.org or on the Facebook page. Please donate. Um, this is how it keeps these things going. So if you are learning from this and benefiting from this, uh, please, we do ask you to donate as well as, you know, sharing it. If you can't donate, share, whatever the case is, just get the word out there because we want to keep on providing these, these valuable live streams to everybody out there because, you know, it's a, it's a crazy time right now. And uh, we definitely want to make sure that uh, we all know that we're in this together moving forward. And uh, feel free to ask uh, us any questions. Find us online. Find us on LinkedIn. Um, my name's very easy to uh, find. I'm just Gabe Kubanda pretty much everywhere. And uh, we'll put up the links to all these guys as well um, so that you guys can find them as well and, and hound them if you want. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Real quick, before I let you all go, I want to take the opportunity to really appreciate the fact of all of you listening to the podcast. I've been honestly looking for ways on how to improve the show moving forward. So if you have any ideas or suggestions on what else we can do that you would like to hear or any other ways that we can engage with you, I would love to hear about it. So whenever you have a chance, you can email me. My personal email address is Mike, that's M-I-K-E at 8020records.com. Or you can engage with us on any of our social media and just at 8020records. 
on Instagram, Facebook, whatever the case is. Just shoot us a DM. Let us know what you guys are thinking about the uh, the whole show in general. And uh, really do appreciate it. So thank you again so much for all of you listening. It means the world to me. Thank you so much for listening to the 8020 show. If you haven't already, please subscribe or follow. If you enjoyed the episode or this podcast overall, please leave us a review or comment on our socials, which you can find us at 8020records on pretty much all platforms. You can also check us out on our website at www.8020records.com. And as always, be happy, be healthy, and be productive.